two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Friendly Geordies podcast. Do you like this content? Because if you do, we also have the Friendly Geordies Up Late podcast. Sign up and you get bonus content, which is the way that we were supposed to say that maybe it's not the best way to abuse customers to get them to come and sign up to the podcast. But it doesn't feel right. If you don't sign up, you're scum of the earth. <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with you whatsoever. Cut his camera. Leave cut now. his camera. <laughs> cut him off. Cut Welcome him off. Welcome to the Friendly Geordies podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Um, we're going to start with the first segment. It's honest. All my entire news feed today is about this. And if you had, if you lived in the 21st century, it would be on yours too. Albo is uh, overseas. Why was why were we complaining about Scott Morrison going to Hawaii? during the bushfires when Albo is traveling all over the world during a flood crisis. You're right. I'm sorry, Australia. I picked the wrong horse. You did. Dodd, you know, there's one thing that I know for a fact. It's that Scott Morrison definitely wouldn't be on a vacation, right? No, that's right. That's right. That's right. And the thing is as well, this is the pathetic thing about it. Uh, Anthony Albanese is overseas doing official business as the prime minister. Yeah. He is not going to Hawaii. On a vacation. It's, it, <laughs> it, and, and then yet you see it just like trending in Twitter. All these uh, One Nation voters think that they've got one on Alba because they've Ugh. retaken the hashtag for a brave new world. Not my PM. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so, got, it, so how, many people got good, so angry. How good's that? Not my PM. A bloke that's, you know, doing like strengthening international ties and as soon as the, the tragedy hits, enlists 100 helicopters to New South Wales on the go and puts a lot of time and money into it. Pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened, right? Isn't that what happened? Wait, so what's the difference? What's, <laughs> give us, tell us why we aren't hypocrites. What's the difference between this and that? Well, you know, the really big one, Ali, I forgot to mention this last time, but the stig drew my attention to this. You know the <laughs> real-life Ministry of Love Department of Home Affairs. Yeah. You know how that was pretty much just designed by uh, Peter Dutton and investing billions of your taxpayer dollars into making sure no one makes any mean tweets about him? Uh, Anthony Albanese thought, well, that, that's a good start for this department, but I've got a really good idea of where this can go from here. How about with all of this technology that you're using to create algorithms to predict what people are going to think before they think it so that you can message your campaign to them uh, before it's even been announced. Uh, how about we use that to better locate ways that we can get people out of flood zones and disaster areas? So that is the Department of Home Affairs job <laughs> under an Anthony Albanese government now. That money is being used so that we can properly address these crises as they emerge. So he has an entire department that used to be there purely to spy on you that is now helping you in disaster zones. Clear labour shield point. <laughs> You've deflected. You've deflected from the question. The question was, labor how shield. are you not a hypocrite? Uh, <clears throat> Look, I, I, I guess the other thing is... But also a very concerning thing, and I was genuinely very upset when you were saying all of this. Stuff. What? Dude, the idea the, the that the entire, yeah, it's like it's it's also about your priorities. You know what, Australia? If Peter Dutton was the prime minister, I think Australia would be moving towards like a security state as opposed to a welfare state. Yeah, you know, there's like a difference. The welfare, the the major priority of a welfare state is to look after the needs of the the citizens, 
Security states also exist. They're just like North Korea. I mean, that's a bad example. There's like other ones that aren't that bad. Like Israel is also a security state in many ways. That the first priority is security and not the welfare. Yeah. So I think Peter Dutton would move us towards like an Israeli sort of a... Which makes a little more sense when you're Israel and you are surrounded by enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Virtually landlocked. No, that kind of doesn't make any sense yeah. at all when you have complete jurisdiction over an entire continent. And also like and thousands of, of kilometers that. of the ocean <laughs> protecting you. Minor details, yeah, you know, like details. all of these things all add up. I think the only thing that I would say that makes it a little bit different is Anthony Albanese isn't wearing a Hawaiian shirt at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, well, how, how, how come he's not wearing a Hawaiian shirt? Oh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like the right vibe for the Ukraine. Yeah, at <laughs> on, the best of times on like an official trip. Uh, <laughs> uh, have, so Dominic Perite, I, I was going to ask you this. Uh, Dominic, Dominic Perite was questioned from the media saying like, uh, basically he's like, Albo's overseas. How are you managing this? You're not getting any help from the federal government. And uh, Dominic actually took a very surprising view where he said, this is not true. He called me from a location that I can't reveal because it was in a bunker in Ukraine. He didn't say bunker, Shit. but he was, he was implying that it's like a classified location. And he asked me when the floods began, he's like, what can I do to help you? How, how can the federal government essentially help you? And we'll do anything that you need. Sick. So Dominic was like, yeah, he's doing a good job. Uh, I think you're making a big issue out of it. My question is, why is a liberal uh, premier saying this about a Labour prime minister? I think there's two reasons. One, it could be that he's just genuinely thankful for the help. <laughs> <laughs> it is a possibility. But, you know, obviously not on this channel, yeah, right? Okay. Uh, the other ulterior motive is that Evity Abadiz is extremely popular at the moment and you don't want to be sitting there being uh, adverse to him, especially true. when you're dangling as premier. That is probably more of it, actually. Is he yeah. dangling as a premier? Well, I've been talking to Labour and they're saying it's real 50-50 stuff out no there. No way. Yeah, they've Who's got a good the... chance. Whoa. Chris Minns? Indeed. He's got the good. She. And also, Stig was talking to me about this today. That man is amazing at dodging bullets on Sky News. He is <laughs> Neo <laughs> against an entire army of Agents. Agent Smiths. Wow. And he's just... just because he's incredible. doing he's he taken the album method have you seen his uh, from from when i look at his interviews or when i watch his interviews the feeling that i get i don't know if this is what the general australian population gets as well is that he seems to me as like a policy bureaucrat kind of guy who's like i'm not here to talk about bullshit i'm here to get the things done i'm good at getting things done I don't know if that's the vibe that he's trying to project, but that's how I feel about him when I listen to his interviews. Mm. Like, he doesn't have that many opinions about shit. No. His, his opinion right. is, like, how, how can we do a better job? It's the new method, I think. It's bad because he doesn't also have, like, the good opinions that gets you popular. He mm. just seems like a cog in the machine. I don't know. Like, is that well, the vibe I, I that you guys get? I think that would really work for a premier. I think Does so, Does anyone yeah, ever want to see that man on the news unless he's announcing a new highway? No. Yeah, but... Nah. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> They're on the news often. too much airtime for you. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Get the fuck out of here, you know? Yeah. Get back More of Pauline Hanson's voice. <laughs> <laughs> the real people's, you know, uh, whatever. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's a winning slogan if I ever heard one. <laughs> um, I like six slav. Oh, sick. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Even now, 30% more slow than usual. And I'm already <laughs> slow as beep. It's not good. It's not, I mean, I'm fine. I, I, I mean, I'm not fine. I'm fucked. But like, I'm enjoying it, you know. Yeah, okay. What do you reckon about it? Uh, about six slav? No, no. Uh, well, yes. What do you think about six slav? <laughs> I think six slav is not that sick. Oh, oh man, Jesus! Man. A divided so panel, let alone audience. No, no. I like him. I like. I like him being sick. He's like. He's more mellow. He gives off the image <laughs> yeah. that he's cooler than he is in. It's definitely true. If there's one slav. thing that Miss Love needs to do in life, it's relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with that. <laughs> so, what do you reckon? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you reckon? Do you reckon? Uh, do you reckon that they have a point? This uh, hashtag that's currently trending. No, absolutely not. First of all, the look. I know all tragedies are bad, but can we say some are worse than others? Yeah, no, nah, some are good. It's good. Nah. The bu- bushfires. <laughs> two. Oh, fucking hell! <laughs> Literally two opposite opinions. Go on. Go on. That's why you tuned in. The bushfires. <laughs> Not that these floods are good or bad. Not that these floods are good, but like the bushfires were worse. Mm. And then the prime minister at the time during like a national crisis was holidaying as opposed to going on an official pre-planned visits. Mm. So there's a difference clearly. Mm. So I think it's a beautiful. Well, can I, can I just say too, what is this shit too? Like, it seems like we just had, we had fires, then floods. We're just getting out of it, and then we've hit with floods again. Is this just going to happen every year now? Apparently, yeah, I think so. Why? And like, not, it's annoying. Not joking. Apparently, it's going to. You if know what's going to happen? Worst, every year, I can't live here. It's it's Too not going to happen all the time. What's going to happen is I don't know. I don't know, but like I was reading this in the yeah. news. Uh, you're going to get periods of like rain all the time, like we yeah, have now. Yeah. And then Late like runoff. five years later, you're going to have five years of like basically very very little drought conditions. So it's oh, a double-edged gaps, sword. Right. Yeah, Am I right? Is yeah, yeah, that sounds... It's just everything is just going to get more intense. But five-year gaps, is that right? No, 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 no. You get five years of floods and then Once five years of drought. Every year? Yes. That and there's cro- no such thing as a good day anymore. That Croatian my, uh, holiday house is looking mighty fine right now. I, I don't know if Croatia's exempt from this. Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, okay. Well, well they're not having these enough. floods. They're not having. They don't have crazy fires. They don't. I've heard. No. No, not they like are this. now. Not like, then, not I know, like, like this. Not Europe like this. is for the first time getting hot getting, heat waves. Well, they're not just getting heat waves, but they're also getting bushfires. Croatia's like fine at the moment, Miss. They don't even this have is, bush. I want to tell you this. I forgot to tell you this. How scary is this thought? Um, mm. My brother just came back from Pakistan. One yes. of his friends over there is. He married is yet? No, he's not married yet. Right. It's one of his friends over there is a uh, he's got like massive lands <coughs> and they're farmers. And Does he um, have um, golden retrieve? No, what are they called? German shepherds? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> but <laughs> knowing this guy, but you know what he was saying? Because you know the economy is like in crisis and the agriculture produce has gone down, and most of the sort of uh, news reporting on it is saying like. It can be attributed to mismanagement or corruption, blah, blah, blah. This guy was like, none of that shit's true. You know what's ruining our crops? Freaking climate change. Mm. This guy's like a rural farmer. And he's like, 
it has devastated us. So we yeah. were already on the brink of like, we weren't as efficient because we don't have those like crazy Monsanto seeds or we don't have those next level fertilizers. So we were already not as efficient and we don't have that many large land holdings and climate change has screwed us to the point where like we can't feed our country now. Like we have to import grain where grain used to be surplus for the past 50 years. Okay. Uh, is there any good news there? No, no. Yeah, the, I'm just saying. Uh, the bald man with the egg is now head of agriculture. That's the good news. Well, it's like the same thing that happened here. You've got to get the right people <laughs> in the job. And that's the first problem. And I only hope that he can become prime minister. <laughs> a, mute, a mute for prime minister. <laughs> goes, goes to the UN. <laughs> in egg we trust. Who would have thought the yes. big turnaround? I'm the prime minister and this is the president. Dude. And who would have thought? And then they're just telling in the history books, like, who would have thought that the big momentous global shift in terms of policy, global warming, move against neoliberalism was all uh, was all embodied in the metaphor of the egg. I mean, you know, before did what e, Greta Thunberg couldn't b- before do, wasn't e, young enough. Before, you, before, before you just before give them the context th- of this egg yeah, yeah. story before, while before, on this, before, on this No, day. I'm still going with the metaphor. Before, I'm still going with the metaphor. Before 3000 EG, before egg, you know, <laughs> the world was just dismal. And until the egg came, the egg man shifted everything. Uh, it's my favorite story from Pakistan, which was... Uh, it was the it was the turning point where Ali was starting to get really frustrated with his country and showing us around. And he was sitting there just being like, man, like, it's just nothing fucking runs here properly, man. Like, look at this place. It's pretty much a joke. He's just having this little speech to us. And then this man comes along with an egg, a boiled egg that had already had it been de-shelled. So he's holding... <laughs> <laughs> like I would have eaten it. I would have eaten it. Yeah, well, you eat Taco Bell when you're sick. That's not that <laughs> far off from that. It's similar levels of salmonella. And then he says, boiled egg, boiled egg in Pakistani. And then Ali turns around and goes, why the fuck would I want a boiled egg? And then he goes, I'm just asking. <laughs> I, 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 I was just asking, just in case. We had just... I was, I'm on his side. Fuck. Oh... Uh, do you want to hear more depressing stuff? He was just hey, asking. Go on. No, because no, 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 like my brother came back, so he brought like a lot of material, new material for me. So he said he got his car washed and oh he felt God. bad because four of them or five, six of them washed the car. It took them about 15 minutes and they charged him 250 rupees, which is about two less than $2. And he was saying that Good labor deal. over there is like ridiculously cheap and he feels bad about it. I calculated it, which makes their minimum wage $1.5 an hour. Shit. Do they have a minimum wage? No, but this is like the real minimum wage because essentially if you're washing a car, you are doing a minimum wage job. And if you're doing... Dude, that's only... That's that's only slightly worse than Australia's. Fuck. (laughs) Hey, Hey, come on. If you're working at like a restaurant there, what are you getting? More than that, but that wouldn't be minimum wage over there. Oh, okay, so that's like having an office it's sla- job. It's slave labor. It's slave. It's, it's not horrible. It's, it's horrible. It's slave labor. Uh, yeah, I was talking to him and like just Jesus. sitting there like Westerners and me like, you know what we should do, man? When we go there, 
whenever we get something, we should pay them what we would pay Aussies. someone in Australia. That's very fair. And then he was like, Did he do uh, it? yeah, you do that. <laughs> wait, wait, he said but that. But it's also this thing of just like, okay, I don't... <laughs> he said that to you? Yeah. Because he was like... And <laughs> fuck. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I probably wouldn't do it either, but fuck, I'd say it. Yeah, no, more. you just say yeah, and then, like, you're not going back to Pakistan, so everyone wins. Yeah, it's exactly. It's a really easy yeah. way out of that. I'm really finding it... I'm really understanding why it's difficult for this man to find a wife. <laughs> yeah, Did he find he a wife? understand the... Hey, stop it. Does not get into that. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, why? Why? No. Wife segment. Uh, okay, second segment. <laughs> yeah, Packy wants segment. a wife. Second segment. Second segment. That's the up late stuff. Uh, okay, up late. Oh, tune in. Up late. You got to tune in because yeah. honestly, it's more tales from Pakistan. That's what the podcast is. Get on Patreon. Into. We have a thousand Patreons, and by tonight we want two thousand. So get on it. How yep. many people are watching? Three hundred. I think we can do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Second segment for today. Uh, hey, don't look. Don't look at the headline because you're gonna hate the tonight. But the, there's been criticism that. Okay. The title of this article is. In a time of crisis, labor is choosing to punish the poor. This refers to um, the new Centrelink system that they're introducing, which I think was something that even the previous government was introducing. But the whole point is, like, in order to now get your dole payments, you have to complete, uh, you have to get, like, 100 points or something. And you get 100 points for different sort of stuff. It's like uh, if the number of job interviews that you go to gives you a certain amount of points, doing, like, these courses that make you more job ready gets you a certain number of points and you have to complete a hundred points to be eligible to get your dole. Otherwise you get uh, F all. I've heard this directly from the source. Source? Albo told you this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen. No, no, I know. I know someone. <laughs> I, I can't. Uh, I've got to be short. I'm in a secret location, Mish. But so uh, Marrickville? Shit, he's good. <laughs> yes. right, so, Miss, we'll start with your opinion on this. Oh, no, what do you think? I, I, I uh, was just saying I've heard this from someone on Centrelink. Like, this is a load of shit. But uh, I don't know. I, I shouldn't, st- shouldn't start with me because I don't, I, I don't. This is one thing that I know very little about and I, I don't have an opinion. I don't know if it's good or bad. If you were on Centrelink and tell you me, had to tell, do that shit, that would be first. really hard for someone like Miss Love to do. If he's on Centrelink, I, I, I've done it. It would be easy for someone like me to do. To get these points, because I wouldn't you, mind doing those bullshit things that you get you points. But can you explain you what just the distinction poor. is? Can you explain what the regulations have put in? Mean? Look, it's just a formalized. Even now, even sorry, before this point system came through, you get jobs. You there was a time back in the day when you could just show up and say, "I'm an employee. I, give me money." Hey, I was in that time, and it was sweet. But that that point, <laughs> that thing hasn't passed from first of July. But that shit was like. That had passed some time ago. Ages ago. And even I was on JobKeeper. It's like, have you gone for seven jobs six weeks? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, hmm, Baker, Top Gun pilot. <laughs> Baker again. Yeah, yeah, I like bread. Um, hooker. And Top President of Amazon. <laughs> it's I'm like, ashamed well, you didn't get that your, one, mate. You've done <laughs> your, you put in the effort. That's the important thing. <laughs> so now... So I'm aware of that. You're going to have to put it into a software of how many Top Gun places you've applied to. Software? Like, yeah, they're also introducing like this sort of system, that uh, machine learning system that helps them better identify things so, about... So it's a, it's, a yeah. bit, it's a bit... Wait, wait. So, so is there almost like an online database of 
people from the dole. There already is an online database. They no, know no, who's no, well, getting no, no, the dole. No, 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 but like, okay, that's not what I meant. I mean, like, do you have to log into a website and like put it on a spreadsheet? Yeah, I think, I don't know, but it's something similar. It, maybe not on a spreadsheet, but you do have to log in and do certain things. It is more annoying, but it's a, it's annoying for people on selling, but I understand why the government would do it because it's probably simplifying it and organizing it better. That's their argument. Yeah. Uh, and and the fact that la- Labor's doing it should show everyone who voted for Clive Palmer and One Nation and shit that Labor are fucking... The toughest on poor people should fucking get on board with them, you dogs. <laughs> Jump ship, you absolute yeah. dogs. Offset the vote. Seriously. Yeah. That's how I mean, what else, what else do they want? Labor's doing everything right. Okay, the biggest sort of, uh, the biggest lobby that is saying this is, uh, you guessed it right, AUWU. W-U. There we go. All right. They're the ones that are like, uh, <laughs> of course. Even in this article that I was reading, they have like a, literally a piece of what their opinion is, which is essentially. Hey. You can imagine what they're saying about hey. it. Sorry, 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 sorry. I That's an advertisement. I know, but way. look at that fucking ad. That's a focus on this. We'll sorry, go, sorry, we'll sorry, go sorry, back sorry, to sorry, that. Sorry. Um, so, well, what I'll do you think? That well, up. you're pretty anti <laughs> the welfare system, anyways. So yeah, yeah, this guy's a hard ass, dude. Yep, he's a fucking hard ass. See, the thing is, I don't know anything about it, but judging from the fact that it's in junkie. And the AUWU is saying that it's horrible. It's just that nice, convenient alliance of people that do no policy analysis whatsoever that just have their little niche and they just keep shitting on it and it's all just pretty much because they were taught as kids that they hate the Labor Party because they come from rich families. I think that that's what's happening there, but I haven't looked into it at all. So I can't actually make an opinion on it. It's just, it's it's kind of shit, but it's, it's... part of the bigger story of Australia where these sort of uh, welfare rights, you could almost say, are being eroded. And this is not the Labour Party that's just done this. This is like a, a long stretch. And of on top of this, is decades. it actually even the Labour Party or is this just a policy that is a this rollover? Is a, um, this is a bureaucratic decision. Yeah, I think so it wasn't the Labour Party. No, this government. is me saying it, obviously. But like these are bipartisan stuff. This is They're just sort of right, like right. working out... How to what they would call more efficient? Yeah, but uh, they look. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't lie that there is a hidden agenda here. They want less and less people to claim right, those benefits. Right. Yeah. There's definitely no doubt about that. How many people are on Centrelink in Australia, percentage-wise? Like, how? What's? What do you think that is? Less than you. I can't remember what it was. Less now. than you think. No, I don't know. I don't think any. No, but like when they yeah. when you're talking about claiming some kind of welfare benefit, it's like eighteen percent. Yeah, but that's the problem. So 18%. there's a lot of. There's but that's pension. That's oh, disability. Okay, that's exactly. Okay. These are like single mother benefits. Yeah, like these yeah. are things that most people think are just part of expenses. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. As opposed to like, I don't have a job. Yeah. That's Give a, me that's, money. That's a very that's niche. A, and that niche, niche is is like is wrong word. I don't know. Is like I think. I might be wrong, but I think I remember reading somewhere it's like two to three percent that received those kind right, of right, 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 right. Look, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I don't know with this one because, like, I like. Uh, Let's just say this: I reserve judgment massively because of the source and the people. Yeah, quote, and that's fair. And it's the same. I think that's fair. Little network of like loser channels just complaining yeah. and endlessly bitching about things. Keep in mind, this is the same the organization media. that you know the whole Pantera Pantera thing. Pantera. Pantera. So I was thinking about the band. Ding, 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 yeah. ding, you ding, almost ding, lost uh, the spell. <laughs> uh, 
Pantera. Uh, yeah, sorry, Pantera. Are you uh, yeah, but that was the company that organised RoboDebt. These are the ones that said that they were they brought RoboDebt to attention, which is a complete lie. It was Bill Shorten that did that, and Who? they're the ones that are that claimed that got a payment from Panthera, I think, from memory twenty thousand dollars, and then denied that they didn't claim the money when it like went into their account. So hypocrisy. You know, just shut the H- fuck up. Hypocrisy. Like they, these are terrible human beings that like hide behind <laughs> the banner of the unemployed when they're all rich benefactors is that, from private schools. Is that proven though? That claim? Is that proven? Yeah. Or? Okay. So it's just so like, just the shut the fuck up. Like how dare they sit there and talk about the, com- the, the organization that kept it afloat and also created the welfare state in the first place. And what are they doing? They're just bitching and junkie. Yeah, well, we'll having said that, they might have a point. Who knows? We'll, no, no, no. But hey, we'll, we'll find out once no, the policy you, gets rolled out. Yeah, I, I think, think we'll have the data of like how good or bad this was in like a year's time. So I think I don't see I don't see Labour synonymous as being uh, with punishing the, the poor. poor. Yes, exactly. that's really didn't on their just, agenda. Didn't they just raise the minimum wage of the poorest yeah, people? Yeah, they did. That's a bit antithetical. But these people are not getting minimum wage because they have no they have no, no employment. I, I, yeah, but at the same time, they're not making decisions to quote punish the poor no, are they no 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 and and you know like you know like the, and as, as Ali said they'll be seeing the data coming in late and this is the thing that constantly these people bring to they always say like they enacted this policy from 2011 to 2012 or something like that and it's like yeah and then the data came back and they changed the policy that's why it was from that date to that date right you know this is part of governing you yeah. implement things, and if it doesn't work, you change them. That's I'm what learning. You, that's what you want your government to be. That's a good government that can recognize where they go wrong and shift gears, as opposed to like, look, Scott Morrison's like his political career is basically dead or whatever. But like he, that was one of his major flaws. He never accepted his mistakes. No, and that's not just like a personality issue. You might think that person's annoying, but that person's a bad leader. Mm. You want someone that is able to like, okay, we went wrong over here. Let's try to switch gears and see what else works. What are, what are people on Twitch saying about it? Um, well, abuse. <laughs> nah, the usual. Just my luck. I lost my job yesterday. Oh, sorry, oh, brutal. That's all right. Just apply for uh, what was the job. <laughs> yeah, well, you can always apply. Get self help. Does that help you? <laughs> what, was the job? what was the job? Uh, what was it? Come on. Did you, you know hate what? it? You, you know, come on, there's got to be a silver lining here. You can't <laughs> live like that. That's more depressing than climate change in Pakistan story. <laughs> hey, <laughs> doing better than the Eggman. But I think Marilini, you would be fine because what, you, Marilini lost the job. Yeah, because you are un, you're not a drug addict, which well, helps because gun. you get the motivation to do some of this leg work. Such a that helps. Gun. Well, yeah, but you don't know what she does. She could be a myth. <laughs> I think I she think doesn't seem like no, no. I think she doesn't her. seem like I think it, we, but it's always the ones you least suspect. Isn't Marilini the one that we <laughs> met in who yeah. was HMV or something? Yeah, I like Marilini. She was cool. Isn't that her? Isn't she at Mum or something? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, she's from Toowoomba. Anyways, that's at Marilini. Was it? What was it? What, did you lose your job because HMV closed its doors finally? What happened? She's not on the phone with us. Oh yeah, that's you right. Sure? <laughs> yeah. Hello, Marilini. Are you there? Marilini. Yeah, we seem to be having some technical difficulties here. <laughs> Might have something to do with the fact I'm not wearing headphones. That'd be a good start. Well, I'm wearing headphones. I still can't hear her. Okay, Marilini. Right. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you have the Liberals in for 10 years. They cut the call exactly. centers. Exactly. No Carbon. Carbon. <laughs> fiber. Hey, Carbon fiber. Speaking of, can I start my fight 
Oh yeah, why don't we you do that? Start Let's start. That's I want to start my goddamn fight. Start your fight. Uh, start uh, your fight. First, introduce your fight. Actually, uh, I want to show my video. Maybe I'll do that. We'll after. do that after we'll do that after, after that. Okay. We, we'll get to that. But uh, introduce Poor your fight. Poor Jordan with his fights. Uh, all right. I made the fatal error of bothering to look at the comments. The reason that I hate looking at the comments is because there's always like a group niche of people that really have heavy set opinions about something that I can only describe as they never look at the counter side of the argument. I'll give you some very good examples of what we're always fighting about on this podcast, right? China, nuclear energy, the Labor Party. You know, all of these nice. opinions, the ones that I have now, I used to have the exact opposite of those opinions. Yeah. And then, you know what happened? I read the other side of the argument. And then I realized, oh, okay, maybe a lot of the things that I'm taught in the press about China are all coming from a think tank that is funded by US manufacturing companies. Oh, maybe the reason I think nuclear energy is a solution is because they have $100 million a year to spend just in the World Nuclear Organization, let alone the N... Uh, G or whatever it is it was a long time ago that I was looking into it there's a lot of money that goes into these fallacies then you go and you ask them what's your counter argument to these points let's just use a nuclear example for it, right and you say okay they say oh there's thorium all right where is it implemented nowhere and it's all a big conspiracy that thorium isn't uh you know implemented properly they point to somewhere in india or something like that and it's like they use uranium to enrich the thorium so it doesn't really work right like it's all these miracles such new different different <laughs> I just want to make that known. <laughs> Fucking hell! But you know, like the, it's just that you just a go few for it. You just go for it. I'm gonna piss. You say, I'm gonna piss. and I've done this a million times before. I'm not going to go through the spiel again because no, no, I'm picking enough niche fights as it is. But you say, what are your counter arguments to this? And then they just go back to the six main talking points. I swear to God, another one of these is the idea that you can't farm cows in a sustainable way. They always agree that you can farm every crop in a sustainable way and that they just aren't being sustainably farmed. But, you know, you as soon as it comes to cows, all of a sudden, no, it's just this evil that just produces all of this methane and there's no way around it. You just have to eradicate all cows. Something along the lines of that. They always just... Alan Savory is their boogeyman that they go to. Uh, and this is one of the classic examples that I got. I got it from this dear uh, listener called Bill who wrote, farmers in Australia are arguably doing more damage to our environment than the entire energy sector. Yes, why would you say that? I know why, because Cowspiracy said that they are responsible for 51% of emissions, which is a ridiculous number. That, you know, that the, the assumptions that they went to get to that level are extraordinary. When, when you look at the agricultural sector in Australia alone, I think it's like 15%, 17% of uh, emissions in Australia. Yeah, I've, I remember really old, uh, uh, really old statistics. So they might have changed, but they were around 14, 15%. It was around something like that. Globally. Glo well, so it's, it's just kind of the same problems everywhere in the world, right? Uh, so that's assuming that what? Cows are responsible for all 15% of those emissions, first off. And then they go, oh, yeah, but it's also because of the transport sector. Okay, well, that's still not getting even close to like 50%. Oh, but it's also the food that they are using to feed the cows, which is the point that Alan Savory is trying to address, which is that you graze them during grasslands and stuff like that. So all I'm saying is that, uh, you know, when it comes, and this is another thing that I remember as well. Um, I used to speak to the Climate Council a lot when I was getting my head around climate policy in Australia. 
and they were saying that the two big gripes that they have, and these are organisations, non not for profits, some of the smartest, brightest scientists in Australia that left the government when it became the Liberals because they were like, we can't publish our work, we're going to have to start an independent organisation. Uh, these independent institutions, they're all at a headlog about this. So just, someone rings up all the time and goes, you cowspiracy, it's all a conspiracy, you're just hiding the facts that cows are the actual real problem for climate change. And they were saying that is as annoying to them as people come ringing up them and saying like, it used to be hot in the 60s as well, so climate change isn't happening. It was just the other side of the coin when it came to that, right? But anyway, arguably doing more damage in our entire energy sector, which is just completely wrong, especially when you say something about transport, for instance. If you electrify transport, then no carbon emissions. So that's gone. So it's not the, it's the, the energy sector is the thing that you need to focus on because that's where everything else stems out from. If everything is electrified, no emissions from any of that stuff. And we're talking about industry. I think at this point, even when it comes to carbon emissions from industry, I'm going to have to double check this, but I remember that there was special exemptions like, say, coking coal that you still need to get rid of emissions. But they figured out ways to electrify coking coal at this point. You know, making the 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 component that solidifies steel or whatever the fuck it is, right? Um, see, there we have, and then it goes on to this point, which is what they always say, which is that farmers clear forest and that uh, increases carbon emissions. And it's like, yeah, they do. No one's saying they should be clearing forests. And this is always the straw man that they put it in. Oh, I can't believe I even use the straw man. See, as soon as you get into these incendiary comments, sorry, that's a huge... Faux pas on my end. I don't want to ever use that word. But, you know, they always say, you're saying clear forests for cows to reduce carbon emissions, which is absurd. What I'm saying is that there is land that is supposed to be grassland that is now desertified. And you know why that area gets desertified? It was because when human beings, no matter where they migrated across the planet, they wipe out all the megafauna. So... When Aboriginals came here, used to have giant kangaroos, used to have giant wombats that would graze these lands and do the natural role that they no longer exist because these animals are extinct, that created desertification. The reason it creates desertification is the grass becomes too high, nothing's eating it, nothing's fertilising it, and so all of these other plants that are in the grassland don't get any sunlight or anything like that, and it just like creates a biodiversity dearth where you just have this taller and taller grass that happens, the soil becomes worse and worse in quality, uh, the grassland starts to retreat. That's how desertification happens. And the reason that that is happening is because there are no herding animals over the top of it. It's the same problem in the US with bison. There used to be millions of bison grazing these lands. Now there isn't. This is what created things like the Dust Bowl in the US, right? The Great Dust Bowls. Um, what bothers me is that everyone's always up in arms about building uh, uh, building projects in koala habitat, yet farmers are ones clearing all the koala habitat. Well, you just pointed out then that they're not. In fact, the last healthy koala population in New South Wales at the moment is currently getting its land completely destroyed by lend-lease. That is the last healthy koala population right now that is a result of property developers. It is not all farmers, and this is the whole thing, is that what I've always advocated is that you have 
conservation methods in practice to rebuild areas that were forest lands, but you also need to rebuild areas that used to be grasslands and you can rescind that. You can make land that is now, you know, partially arid or arid grassland again, which is what it used to be millennia ago. This is possible. This, there are numerous examples of this across the planet. It's very easy to look up. Um, and, you know, peer-reviewed studies on this as well. The same industry has been forced to pay workers a legal wage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Farmers are terrible. We get it. Every single farmer on earth is a bad human being. This is the whole thing, right? When they're talking about these farmers that are clearing all of this land, you know where the vast majority of that land clearing is coming from? Mega farms. No one, on pl- no one who is a serious conservationist is thinking that you should be factory farming animals, especially when... I think I was reading this the other day. I think factory farmed animals feed about 30% of the Earth's population and yet they take up about 70% of all agricultural resources. So there's a huge imbalance there that happens when you start you know, industrializing this on huge scales and you do the monocrop culture. No one's advocating monocrop cultural stuff. So that's just completely redundant. Uh, there are countless articles and videos debunking Alan Savory's work. Well, there's countless articles and videos that are supporting Alan Savory's work and debunking the videos that debunk Alan Savory. So this is what I'm talking about. People don't look at the counter-argument. I did look at the counter-arguments when it came to Alan Savory. I've read a lot into it, actually, but this is a long time ago. This is the problem, same thing with nuclear technology. I saw this comment, like, about an hour before I went on. I was just like, nah, it's not happening, you know? Um, uh, the best report is Grazed and Confused, which I did look up, which debunked the very silly regenerative agricultural fixes, the word, uh, the world rubbish. No, it doesn't. In fact, that, first off, has huge problems because the, the, the study that they're basing it off is essentially saying the same thing of like, uh, you're clearing all of this land and then you're putting cows on it. It's just like, okay, well, then the study's completely fucking redundant to begin with. I quickly looked it up. It's a 127-page report. But immediately, within the first 11 pages, it starts talking about the fact that if you get rid of land that is grassland, that is, has grazed cattle on it and then you know, and, and you remove them from it, it would have a negative effect on carbon emissions that it currently has now. This is one of the things that it's talking about in the report, if you can just look it up very quickly, right? Uh, and then he says, you know, there was this big report, the CSIRO involved, uh, you know, multiple universities. That's all well and good. The CSIRO are also involved in a bunch of multiple reports that also talk about the need to increase soil quality as a as a carbon sink and use planned grazing. I know CSIRO scientists that go to these places, say like in the top end and in Victoria, they go to these farms and they learn what they're doing because they have a much better, uh, you know, much more sustainable farms and the soil is clearly a better carbon sink. I think from memory they were saying that it was like 15 times better soil when they're using these things like holistic grazing, timed grazing, planned grazing, all of this kind of, all of these things. Basically what you were saying before, right? You're just moving cows along and forcing them to do their natural thing that they do in the wild. And when I'm talking about that in the... Thanks, Miss Love. That's very helpful. (laughs) Uh, One of the big things that they're all... How have you managed to do this even when you're not in the frame? 
And if, if this and if this is the case, and I haven't even read the report, but I've just read like very quickly into it and seen the video, and it was just like there were so many glaring problems with it. It was just like, okay, yeah, let's just assume that cows are still dumping all of their waste into like those waste pits that they have in dairy farms, which everyone is saying you should stop doing that and let them just shit on the fields around the place, and that actually does drastically reduce the amount of methane that's coming out. Like, it, it's because it's all stored in one area and it starts combusting amongst itself. It releases much more methane. And then again, it gets sunk into the ecosystem. And then the next thing that he says is that grass... Where is it? Yeah, carbon is just the roots, essentially. It maxes around a few years, and then you can guess what happens to all of the carbon. See, this is what they're talking about. They're talking about the plant, grass. This is not where the carbon sink is. The carbon sink is in the soil. The soil increases in quality, and that's what stores the carbon. It also requires more land use as farmland, which if you check, uh, over 50% of land used is livestock pasture. And what's your point? Yeah, if it's getting cleared, that's a bad thing. But if it's like restoring land, which has happened in Australia, there are numerous examples. We had a guy that was a scientist and now is a sustainable agriculturalist. He was the guy, it's not like this guy is just like, you know, in with big beef or something like that. He spends his entire life trying to get the government to have more sensible policies on pesticides, right? Because he realises that that's one of the real secret killers and water quality and all these things. He's a very knowledgeable scientist that spends his entire life going around the planet, figuring out what the environmental solutions are and how to integrate agriculture into it. Because this is the insane thing about all of this, right? It's just like... You need to eat. Okay, you get rid of cows and all these kinds of things. The agricultural sector still produces carbon emissions. They can be negative carbon sinks. Mm. You know? Like, anyway. But, uh, yeah, and then just saying, like, I'm, con I'm constantly surprised at people's cognitive dissonance when it comes to this issue. This is another one of those warning signs that I'm getting at here, right? As soon as you hear someone say cognitive dissonance, bad take, it's like you know that they're just reading or they're not even reading. As this guy's saying, just look at this eight-minute video on YouTube. All right, here's my counterexample because afterwards he was saying, uh, show me how cowspiracy is wrong. Oh, wait. And it's like, okay, here's how it's wrong. I went up and looked at what... Cowspiracy was saying about Alan Savory again because it was years ago that I watched the documentary. So I wanted to say specifically what it was and it was so helpful on the website. It was just smug and dismissive. It was like, if you even think this, then there's this article from George Monbay or whatever the fuck his name is, right? I remember George Monbay's article being severely criticised by the scientific community. Um, one of the main things, all his argument is, is just an extension of cowspiracy, which is just being smug and dismissive because they refuse to accept that there is a way of sustainably farming these creatures. And one of the things that they went to is these two quote-unquote peer-reviewed articles. I think from memory one of them wasn't even peer-reviewed. And I think the other thing was one of them was doing planned grazing and not uh, holistic grazing like Alan Savory says. doesn't matter though because like, you know, any of these things are better than just keeping them in a paddock and doing nothing, right? doesn't matter. Here's, here's the point. The main thing is he says that these are the two peer-reviewed studies on this subject, which they're not, and that there are no peer-reviewed studies that support... Alan Savory's claims. Not only are there just peer-reviewed studies, there are peer-reviewed studies. There's a bunch of university studies from all over the world that are going around not just holistic grazing, as I said, plan grazing, time grazing, all of these other things. They're all going into it. I'll give you a list of them now. I've shortened a lot of them because I was just trying to get to the... But if you Google these words, you can go look at these, right? 
immediately off the bat. Dozens of them. I've just chosen a few of them. Grazing management impacts on vegetation. Uh, grazing management impacts on vegetation, soil biota, soil chemical, and physical hydrological properties in tall grass properties. That's one that supports the idea that you should be moving these animals around. There was another one that was like, I think it was across thousands of ranches across Western Canada. Uh, and that was... Uh, the, and this was like regarding Holtec, Brisk and rebuttals by T, Gill and Savory. That says that carbon can be sequestered in soil. Uh, more, more carbon can be sequestered in soil than is currently put in the air with human activity. This is the same thing as this former woman that used to work at the CSIRO whose name escapes me. I did a video on it years ago. You can go look it up. I'm talking about this on my friendly Geordie's channel. But again, there's a, bun there's a bunch of CSIRO scientists that say that this is the way to go. Uh, and, but in general, they're just talking about a 20 to 30% methane reduction from air if you start moving cows around in this way. This is what that study was saying. Um, there's one from, there's, there's actually one just called Australia Managing Grazing Landscapes, so right here. And that one says that out of dozens of samples, that, that this is the one that they always use. I see this all the time. Vegans always put this up as like, yeah, this study said that uh, it's actually has no impact on it whatsoever. And that is such a careful, selective reading of the study because it's just going, all right, in this one area that we did it, it didn't have any impact on carbon sequestration. This one area. We looked at dozens of areas and it all had a positive impact on carbon sequestration. Positive impact on it. I think that the study was going for a few weeks, let alone years. When they're saying that it's like going to release back into the air, you're talking about one study from that university that is saying, okay, but there needs to be, and it keeps saying it over and over again in the study, there needs to be more research done on this, especially when they are assuming that all of the practices that are currently being used on grazed cattle, so we're not even talking about, you know, these kind of holistic management things, is still in practice so you're still moving in feeding to feed these animals there's all of these problems with it um emerging land use practices uh at, at emerging land use practices you look that up and it talks about increasing soil organic matter so we're again we're talking about the same thing over and over again but this one has the even more poignant point which is that if you practice these if you do put these practices on this land, it actually sequesters as much carbon as the soil in forest land. Now, I am not saying that you should be cutting down trees to put it on there, but this is the level of regeneration that can happen in these ecosystems if you're doing it the right way. Now, the other major, major point needs to be stressed. The biomass in the world now, today, is far lower than what it was pre-humans so before humans there was just so many more animals that were supporting the ecosystem the collective biomass of the planet was a lot higher than it currently is and that was because there was a lot of megafauna in these grasslands that is now completely devoid this is the answer around it that's my response <laughs> first of all that was really good <laughs> Secondly, uh, pay less attention to comments. Sorry, yeah, it's, no, just, no, no. it's another one of these things that just angers me so much because it's like, okay, you can disagree with it, but you're not disagreeing with it on the on the 
even the argument that they're having. Well, I think some of it is obviously mudslinging, saying things like, do you want to uh, cut down forests to do this? That's not what you're arguing. I think eventually the argument between you and this uh, commentator, let's say. And there's a, sorry, there's another one here. Jack says, one more, says, uh, the majority of cattle farming in Australia is on land that cannot be regenerated. Not true. The majority, th- th- those studies that I was talking about then are talking about regenerating land. Uh, the majority desert is desert-like terrain and has been for a millennia. Well, it's been desert-like terrain for a lot longer than a millennia, but anyway, uh, you're going to reduce methane emissions by 30% in eight years, not by reducing the head of cattle, but by regenerating relatively tiny, er- relatively tiny areas of land. What? So all of Western New South Wales? Yeah, tiny. Uh, to sequester trivial amounts of carbon. As I was saying, peer-reviewed study, 30% drop in methane. Yes, I think that you can do that in eight years. Yes, that is my opinion. Thank you. So get your cry-laugh emojis out of the comment. <laughs> First of all, I think someone, someone commented while you were talking about this that you, this is gold and you should do a video on this on your main channel, to which I uh, concur. Having said that, dude, it all boils down to this argument that you're having. He doesn't trust the data that you're presenting to him and you are disagreeing with the data that he's presenting to you. So clearly there's, this is an intellectual difference that you have, but I think you've done a pretty good job at explaining mm. why you are right. And some of these, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> some of these are bogus claims. Like there's no peer review studies or mudslinging. Like you, are you trying to cut down forests to do this? That's not what you were arguing in the first place. So ignore that. It all boils down to him not agreeing with the grazing methodology. Well, this is the main thing that I just want everyone to get into their minds because this is the thing where I realise, oh, okay, actually there's got to be something to this. This used to happen naturally. It has not happened naturally for, what, 30,000 years, 20,000 years? That's why there's so much desert in Australia. There's also the fact that, you know, the topography of land clearing that happened in European settlements. So Europeans take the credit for, uh, you know, all the land clearing that's happened since. But the desertification is because there are no megafauna sitting on these grasslands anymore. Wait, so are you saying that, because uh, I don't know this topic nearly as much as you. So are you saying that the desert lands of Australia can technically be green? No, not the without deep a desert. bunch of water. Not the deep desert, but you know those kind of areas, the peripheries. Like, you know the, the periphery areas, that kind of semi-arid land that starts to expand and yeah, becomes because that's where the desertification again. is happening uh, in Australia, right? Where these semi-arid lands that used to be at one point a lot less arid than they are now, and with climate change, they continue to desertify more and more. Yes. So you're saying those parts let's just say regional <laughs> New South Wales, yes. as opposed to country New South Wales, can be regenerated. Yes. And I would, like, that, it seems like a small area. That's a massive, that's a massive area. It's a huge like, it's amount huge. of land. I think this study was saying, the one that the CRO, CSIRO scientist was saying before, again, she left because of the great retreat of scientists under the Abbott government. I think she was talking about a 0.5% increase in productivity of soil would sequester carbon of all human activity, right? Like, this is big, interesting, earth-changing stuff that can happen. And at the very least, 
At the very least, this is the, the other insane thing. What? You're going to go convince the cattle industry that they're going to have to kill off all their cattle. You're going to do that in the next eight years, are you? Yeah, Good luck with that. That's a Good luck story. with that. How much better would it be to just come up to them and say, you can make more money and you can make additional crops on your land and you can be paid as part of this um, carbon offset scheme that's coming in if you just farm your cows in a slightly different way. Yeah, just introduce those regulations where you have to conform to certain methodologies. But... So that video, that Alan Savory video, video came out what seven eight years ago. Yeah, and uh, he actually did a follow up on it, which I recently checked out. N- n- uh, it was like a year after his speech, mm. but he was saying that what was becoming a more accepted theory, my theory, after my TED video has just like it's exploded, uh, the interest in it and the experimentation in it. By this point, don't we have enough examples of success stories or failures? Surely. I mean, look, you don't even need to look at peer-reviewed studies. You just need to look at all the photos that I've been sent from farmers across the country that are, again, don't lump all of these farmers in with the same fucking things as Monsanto and, like, you know, the bunyip aristocracy of Australia. There's There are caring... I've interviewed one of them. Very caring... And same with Alan Savory. They're like, oh, you're taking it from someone who... As cattle. And it's like, yeah, he has cattle now. He used to be a scientist. He used to be a conservationist that worked with the Zimbabwean government. Mm. He went into farmland because he realised, I'm going to start experimenting with this and seeing where it goes. And, like, you could see it. He's, 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 his land, and it's the same with the guy that I was interviewing as well, so, like, virtually drought-proof to begin with. You just look at his land in comparison to all of his neighbours and it's just desert-arid land with a bunch of cows eating hay. That's what they're eating on his land. His cows are eating grass. Is have you uh have you heard, you know Angus and Coot the Coot from Angus and Coot? He had like a sustainable farm experiment going. Do you know anything about that? No. Well, I saw a documentary on it, and uh, he he was like working with this um, Alan Savory type character in Australia. I can't remember his name. His first name is Pete or something. Uh, where he had just had a farm that he was uh, doing some unorthodox uh, experimentation to essentially make his farm drought-proof. And his neighbours were pissed at him until he eventually got uh, the coot from Angus and Coot, who unfortunately is now dead, to sort of sponsor him with his mission. But part of the thing that they were doing was that essentially they were trying to slow down the water Yes. That is flowing. Yes. And so it just floods the the land. Yeah. And that makes uh that makes it drought proof because there's more water in the land that comes out later when there is a dry season. Yes. So you're less dependent on rainfall. Yes. Um and they were showing pictures of th- that farm. It was ex- way greener than their neighbor's farm. Like the difference was just insane on what what is so that's not grazing though, but do you think that's also a thing that we could do? <laughs> well, that's also something that that scientist you really should check out that podcast, it's on this channel. But uh, yeah, it was by Bruce Maynard, and he goes around the world listening to talks of sustainable scientists, sustainable agriculturists, and he gets all of those ideas and he puts it on his farm and sees what works and what doesn't. And he's swears by Alan Savory, and now that you refresh my memory about that, the slowing water technique. Yeah. You know, that these are two very simple solutions. Dude, wait, Alan Savory, i just tell you that much, not knowing much about him, when he talks, the manner in which he speaks, 
you have to listen to that man. <laughs> yeah, he's he, good. He at seems like a very intelligent person. Yeah, he killed forty thousand elephants. Yes, he's a powerful man, and he <laughs> and he admits to that. He says that the the land got worse yeah. as a result of doing that, and he's saying that it was like the obviously he's a huge. He is a conservationist. He did it because he thought this is going to help the environment and it made the environment worse and he's, his entire life is trying to make up for that crime that he sees in his head. Yeah, well, and, and, and even in like, you know, when you see a land that has very few animals on it, it's usually barren. <laughs> and land <laughs> that has more animals is usually greener. Yes. Now, maybe the, the animals prefer greener areas. <laughs> maybe. But, but maybe there's something else to it. Like, you never see like these extremely dead lands that have uh, lots of animals on them because they're eaten away. It's the opposite. No, it's, it's exactly yeah. it because this whole thing, right, like it's it's a problem that human beings are going to have to deal with, which is the same problem that Alan Savory is addressing here, which is the huge reduction of biomass in the environment, the global environment. There's just way fewer animals than there was. And so they can't do the job that they used to do. Dude, you know what you need to do, Jordan? You need to make money like Coot did. And they need to sponsor farms. Farmers that are already doing this stuff, you need to, like, sponsor them. And but you I need, would love to. But you need more money for that shit. So get on that shit. Start no, making I absolutely will. Because this is the whole thing that when you, like, actually talk to people instead of just watching documentaries on Netflix, you realise that, like, you know... There's, there's some really, really smart farmers that shock horror. You shouldn't be denigrating because they fucking feed you. Yeah. You know, like they, they actually, like, it's not every farmer that's out there just being like, oh, bloody greenish, fuck them. There's, there's, there's those farmers. And then like there's also Muslims. like hippie farmers. They're like Muslims. Some of them are bad. <laughs> but generally speaking, yes. you can't say they're all bad. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's once Jesus. in a while someone blows up, but most of them don't blow up. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but like the main takeaway from it is, it's about increasing biodiversity. That's the main issue that human beings have to grapple with, and this is something that biologists talk about all the time, which is called plugging. Now, that is what they try, and then you know you get these smug responses of like, oh yeah, like with cane toads, and it's like, yeah, okay, maybe the science has evolved a little since the eighteen hundreds, and now they know what animals actually can be compatible with these environments and how they should be regulated. You know, the only way there's, unfortunately there's nothing you can say on this podcast or there's nothing that you can really do in terms of advocacy that would convince people. The only thing that can convince people of this is by seeing actual real life examples that are economically viable. Like Texas uh, wind farming, like that's a, Texas was always an oil state. And uh, if people, when they first started introducing uh, wind energy or like sourcing energy from wind, it was a joke for most of their oil producing neighbors. But eventually it, they turned around when they saw that shit, these guys are profitable. Like they're making money off of yes. this. So I think the only way you can actually get people to adopt this on a large scale is by producing these like sort of isolated success stories. Which is what that guy does. Bruce Maynard is a legend. He goes across the world, uh, across Australia, to farms that are, you know, he's the Gordon Ramsay of farming. Mm. 
Mm. Like he just goes around and he says, this is how you should be running your farm for it to be profitable. And it's always in alignment with increasing the biodiversity. So the animals are doing a lot of the jobs of, again, this study, I saw it, they were saying the same thing, you know, assuming that you're using all of these manufactured fertilisers on the land mm. still, which is, no, that's not what you, no. Yeah. You know, there's ways around that. Um. All right, well, look, I feel like you're going to get another comment after this airs. And uh, every week we're going to be doing this now. Oh, yeah, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> but maybe you should actually make a video on this. Have you thought about that? No, I already have done a video on it. And I would just say this, right? Anybody that disagrees with Alan Savory or, you know, the idea of regenerative agriculture as a concept... Read the counter-argument. You don't even have to read the counter-argument. There's heaps of YouTube videos, just like this guy said, of all these people debunking them, right? Mm. There's videos that debunk the debunkers. Look, speaking of truth... Just see both sides of the argument. It's not that hard before you make up your mind. Speaking of truth, uh, we've got... With the, with the, I've been doing... I've been yeah, what was that about? <laughs> Clearly, you weren't so interested in this. Uh, what I got, like, the first few words, and I... I'm not that fast. You know? But he uh, read a book on it as well. I did read a book on it, but I'm just not. I and just I read one up. as well, and the name escapes up. me, but it's in the video that I did what years ago, like called? 2014. Was, uh, and it was again... Nourishment, Nourishment. Nourishment, yeah, that was amazing the most book. recent book. Amazing book. And then there was another book, and now I can't remember it, but it's on the Friendly Geordies video. And oh, uh, Great Gatsby. The, no, no, it's the... It's yeah, the, chuck that in. It was, Why not? It's called like Night of the Whippersnappers or some shit. No, 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 no. It's by... Weed Warblers. Someone I think called Helen something or other. But anyway, she is a journalist that was the same thing, spent years just you know shitting on farmers, then went and saw some of these farmers and was like, fuck, they're the solution to all of our problems. Right. Um, have you heard sorry different tangent have you heard that north korea you know they've got heaps of covid cases and they're blaming it on south korea saying that they're sending balloons across the border with covid and that's what's causing it i wouldn't put it past them i wouldn't put it past them what do you think <laughs> really? is that a possibility experts experts are saying <laughs> That it might be the fact that you're trading with China and China was having huge outbreaks <laughs> and uh, yeah. it might be coming from there. Because, you know, from their perspective, North Korea is like, how can we get COVID? N none of our people meet anyone from the outside. <laughs> and experts are saying it's actually coming from the trade that you're the border areas with China where you're getting all of your shit from. But North Korea is like, we investigated that and we've debunked it. It's from balloons sent by uh, defectors in South Korea. Bam. See, this is why you need to listen to both sides of the argument, you know, and realise that North Korea is correct. And their evidence was <laughs> that they know a man... <laughs> <laughs> yes! Go on! Go on! ...who touched one of those balloons and then had... COVID? Uh, ...fever. <laughs> And not even COVID. They don't. They don't know if it's COVID. They know it's COVID, but they can't because there's no testing kits. So they're they're oh. not calling it COVID. They're calling it fever. Man, I always feel really bad shitting on North Korea. You can't. You know, you always, <laughs> no, every How time. How can you shit on a country that not only does not have testing kits, barely has any way? You know what's the good thing about COVID for them? There's not that many cures. Like you know. It, Imagine like if it was like some other kind of uh, disease that most of the world has cures for, but North Korea doesn't. That would be worse. But with COVID, 
considering there's no cure, it's like, you know, you're in the same boat as the rest of us, bitch. So, like, finally, <laughs> we're equal. <laughs> oh, except they don't have vaccines, so maybe we're not equal. <laughs> oh, no. And you know what else as well? What? what do you bet? The United States is like, we are not lifting our trade sanctions with North Korea. North Korea is a terrorist state. That's what they're saying. They're like, uh, don't pretend you give a shit about this. No, no, come <laughs> on. Like you're give them testing. You don't need them anymore. They're saying, you have vaccines. You're saying you promise us te- you. They're saying you promise us testing kits, but you deliver on uh, military aggression only. <laughs> you know what though? Okay, you take away the uh, the balloon argument. Yeah. I'm pretty sympathetic with North Korea's response. They're not asking for much. But dude, like They're asking for aid. Yeah, but you know, we found out like a year ago that most of the COVID uh most of COVID is spread by human to human interaction as opposed to surface. So even if South Korea was sending balloons filled with COVID somehow, <laughs> the likelihood of them getting that COVID is much less. Compared to the guy that's shaking hand with that Chinese uh, logistics guy, you know, that probably has COVID. It only takes one, Ali. Yeah, I know. It only takes one. Well, it's so weird. Like, think about how isolated North Korea is. That They're behind on a global pandemic by two years. Shit, yeah. Well, look, here's the other thing. For most of the... COVID is spreading like what? This guy probably has COVID right now. Like I, I just, bet you. I just wrote that in the chat. He probably yeah. has COVID because COVID is spreading like wildfire in Australia even today. The difference is no one just cares about it. Apparently, we had a total of 10,000 deaths uh, yesterday or today from COVID. That's a big number. 10,000 people. 10,000 deaths? Yeah. 10,000 people in Australia have died from COVID. Oh, all up over the last... All up. All right. Okay. Which is a pretty sizable Jeez. number. Jesus, this is how out of my radar COVID is. As to me, all of a sudden, COVID is just like herpes. It's a bit annoying, and then yeah, but uh, it's just like the media cycle moves on. But I don't. Under, what I'm trying to now figure out is, after getting three doses, isn't it just like the flu? Like people might die from it, so it's that Russian roulette thing. But I, I can't believe I'm making that Sky News point. But like, wouldn't you have died anyways? Like, what, what's like, you've got a really weak immune. Because man, I I know a lot of people that got COVID, and uh, they They're just all like there. recovered and shit. Like, including <laughs> my parents who are old, and but because we're like fully vaccinated and stuff. But I think it's just a thing of what more can we do at this? Point? Yeah, like what can you do really about it? There's a lot of news stories constantly saying, like, pay attention to COVID. It's like, and do what? Like, what are we supposed to, like, do a full lockdown again? Do you know the, the radical left? And when I say radical left, I don't mean A-U-W. what Sky News calls radical left. I mean the actual radical left, the communists, like, left-wing communists uh, are of the opinion that um, we should be in constant lockdown for the next five years. There's so few that no one really pays attention. But if you go on, like, the World Socialist website, the, uh, the Trotskyist website publication, a lot of their commentary is about that. Like, they're still obsessed with COVID, and they're saying that we are doing it wrong. Only China is doing it somewhat right because they're still locking down. Mm, damn. That does sound like a really communist view. Yeah, that is truly the radical left's point of view. 
And look, I wouldn't really have an issue with it because I never leave my house anyway, but I'm sure other Australians would disagree. Yeah, other Australians would just... I don't know, man. I think like... But here's the other thing. What do they expect happens? Like, surely at some point, society would just grind to a halt in those five years. Yeah, for sure. I don't know what they are... I don't think... I don't... They're like greens. They don't know what they're really asking for. Like, they're just... (laughs) They're asking for too much. Yeah, I think they really are. Because Greens want 70% reduction. <laughs> you thought Dictator Dan was bad. But either way, look, uh, yeah, uh, man, I am, this is insensitive, but I've got to that point where, like, I don't give a shit about COVID. <laughs> yeah, I think the whole world's like that. No one cares anymore, do they? I think that, dude, you have an opinion that was very unpopular about six weeks ago. What was that? Just, eh, fuck it. Just let it open. Who gives you shit? Dude, but I think everyone thinks that I'm going to be freaking honest. That was my opinion when it was at its peak, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> All right, Paul. Five-year lockdown. You know what? Yes I or will, no? I will. I, no, no, okay. I'll, I'll admit to something. When Miss, COVID are you drinking gin? Well, Maybe. six left. All right. I'm, I'm kicking in here. All right. This man needs to be on a lockdown. Yeah. No. Okay, you okay. can't be drinking fucking gin uh, when fine. you have a cold. It's screw, fine. Screw gin. Let's oh do last segment. Oh, God. What the... Oh, man. Let's do the last segment. The communists are right. People have too much freedom. We're running out of Jesus time. Jesus Christ. That is the example right there of why we can't allow people to make their own decisions. I need something to get through this shit. Fuck. I need you guys. <laughs> I need you guys. Can I just have more blueberries? Well, this is blue. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, th- this, this, will, this will bring you back. Miss... <laughs> They did a research. That was a great reaction. A team of scientists did a research to find the funniest <laughs> joke in the world. He's back. There were 60,000 different jokes yeah. that were in the sample. Yeah. And they sent it, uh, they sent like uh, questionnaires and they asked people to rate these mm. jokes. And this joke said, they said, was the most universally liked joke in the world. Knock, knock. So they're saying that this is the funniest joke in the world. Now, I'm going to read this joke. Tell us if you think it's funny or not. It's not a knock-knock joke. How can they claim to be the funniest joke in the world? Well, the data doesn't lie. Now tell us if this is the most universally appealing joke in the world. Two hunters are out in the woods when one of them collapses. He doesn't seem to be breathing and his eyes are glazed. The other guy uh, whips out his phone and calls the emergency services and and gasps, my friend is dead. What can I do? The operator says, calm down. I can help. First, let's make sure he's not dead. There is silence. Then a shot is heard at the back back on the phone. And the guy says, okay, now what do I do? Mm. Make sure he's not dead. He shoots. I don't get it. (laughs) Uh All right, well, I'm not going to... Make sure uh, he's throw stones in this one because shouldn't the first time I heard that joke in the nineties, I didn't get it. Shouldn't either, you but said, I was also eight. Shouldn't you have said make sure he's dead? Hence the bang. No, make sure he's. N- oh, wait, yeah. What is it? Oh, yeah, isn't my it? friend is dead. The operator yeah. says, "Calm down, make I sure can help not, her." Make let's, sure he's dead first. Let's make sure he's dead first. Let's make sure he's. You dead. read it wrong, bro. Sorry. First, yeah, let's yeah, make yeah, sure yeah. he's dead. He's dead. Well, that is a real way to kill even the best. <laughs> <laughs> but you is it the best it. joke? That was a stupid you joke. You blew it. Now I'm gonna think about it again if it's actually funny or not. 
Uh, Can like, we it's, redo? It's, 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 Should it's, I read it again? No, no, no. It's it's uh, that'll it's, help. It's mildly funny. <laughs> It's funny. But is it's it the funny. funniest joke it's in the world? No way. This is what happens when you give nerds the power to decide what's a good joke and what's yeah, a bad that's joke. mental, dude. The data's wrong on that. Yeah. Let me tell you that much. The data is out and it's incorrect. These guys are the Charlie Pickering of the academic world. They think they might know. They think they know humor, but they don't necessarily know humor. Well, this is also old. I remember them declaring that the funniest joke Actually, to be two fair, decades ago. To really? be fair, they're not necessarily saying it's the funniest joke. They're saying it's the most universally appealing joke. Uh, okay. Well, that changes That's everything. totally different. <laughs> well, they've labeled that as the funniest joke. Because if most people in the world think it's it funny, it's the then funniest. it's the funniest one. I guess so. The most appealing. I mean, appealing. the eggheads do have a point. What do you think it's safe. It's safe. What do you think is the funniest joke in the world? You know what I think it is? And I think that we were doing this on the Up Late podcast, but I think it's time to bring one of our classic segments from it onto the main podcast so that you see what it's like being a member of the Friendly Genies Up Late podcast. I th- honestly think the most I've ever laughed at one of those jokes <coughs> was one of Ronald Reagan's. Oh, <laughs> uh, the one that we... Ca- oh, shit, I was supposed to do, like, more jokes of Ronald Reagan. Don't worry, I've got it. I've got it this week. Reagan. I did your homework. Do you want to do it? Do you want to do it now? Yeah. Or do you want to do it on the upload? No, no, I'll do it now so you get the preview. Okay. The little it. teaser. Oopsie. Uh, fuck, I've, I've gone blank. Yeah. I'm nervous here. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, Take your time. Jesus, it's so hard to say, like, this is the greatest joke of all time. Nah, it's it's a big call. It's but uh, it was Ronald Reagan saying, fuck, I can't believe it. I've forgotten. You forgot it? Fidel Castro. Fidel Castro was making a speech in Cuba about his new policy of deporting a bunch of bums and miscreants to Florida because of our generous welcoming of Cuban refugees. And he was talking about how great this was. And he kept hearing in the audience someone yelling, potatoes, potatoes, potatoes. And it kept interrupting him. And so at some point he said, that's it. Next person who says potatoes is getting deported to the United States. And at that point, the entire audience started saying potatoes, potatoes, potatoes. It's not really a joke, is it? It's more of a statement. It's more of a flex. Well, I mean, it never happened. So, you know, it, it, take, it takes the first point of Freud's theory of humor, which okay, is that it has to live in a dream world. Maybe it's the second best joke of all time. Yeah, look, all right. This is what I'm saying, right? Humor is subjective. I think it's the best. Mm. Exactly. You didn't like it? It's not really a joke, is it? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. that's a joke. Is it? Yeah. Can I do another Ronald Reagan joke? Yes, you can. Not that one that we did on the upload, which I think is the best one. Uh, uh, sign up to Patreon to listen to that one. But this is another one. Uh, an American, uh, a Polish man, and a Russian man were talking. And the American man says, You know, in my country, when dogs bark, and if they bark loud enough, people come and give it food, and then the, dark, uh, and the dog shuts up. Uh, the Polish man at that point says, what's food? And the Russian man at that point says, what's barking? <laughs> <laughs> He's a kid. <laughs> oh, man. Look, I really like it. I'm a big fan of Ronald Reagan's sense of humor. Because it's just like, here's the moral of each joke. America's the greatest country on earth. 
and every other country sucks. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all, that's the essence of all of his jokes. Well, thank you for joining us today. Wait, uh, I had. Yeah. You want to do something? I wanted to. But you oh, you. Oh, the video. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do come it. on. No, we've no, got let's time. Do it, let's do it. Okay, this is one of the best joke in the world. This is the best joke in the world. So it's audio as well, but it's it's someone just sent it to me. So what I'm gonna do is it goes for like fucking thirty seconds. It's a TikTok video. What I'm gonna do is um, <laughs> I'm just gonna show it to you like this, so you can watch it and they can hear it at the same time. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't know how to download a fucking TikTok video. You know what I mean? I don't know how to uh, do that. You shit. can just connect your phone. Really? To that road, so they can hear it without you just putting it into the mic. How do you do that? So. When I <laughs> it's probably not worth it, but like, it's it's, it's literally like a, it's it's a TikTok, but oh, you can do that. Okay, so if I go Bluetooth, yeah, go on Bluetooth. Okay, yeah, it's on. Sorry, so one moment. Broadcaster Pro on your Bluetooth and uh, <laughs> it's worth it. Believe me, it's worth it. Uh, more, more, more suspense than Ronald Reagan's joke. Yeah, yeah, it'll smash that. Which yeah, one? Broadcaster Pro. Oh, sick! No way. Will it really work? Yeah, I mean they'll be able to hear it. That's way that. better. That's that's sick. Connection unsuccessful. Oh fuck. Well, we tried. Yeah, it was a look, good I'll run. just put it in the fucking mic. It's yeah, like it's, it's really not that big a deal. It, but it's not the the visual isn't <laughs> the visual. I think this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. How's that mm-hmm. for best joke? Um, so the visual isn't that important. It's really not. So I'll just show you guys. Fuck! I'll just show you guys the visual, and everyone at home can. Uh, <laughs> everyone at home can play along. All right. So let's make sure this is actually on. Is this working? This is waking up next to Gordon Ramsay after a night out. Did you get that? Gordon Ramsay after a night out. Morning, my darling. How did you sleep? Good. Amazing news. How did I sleep? Not so good, my darling. Why? Oh, I had a bad dream, didn't I? A kitchen nightmare, if you will. <laughs> what was it about? Oh, nothing really. I just dreamt that I was strapped to a chair and someone was taking a power drill to my fucking skull. Oh, no, wait a minute. That wasn't a dream. It was you! Snoring all through the night like a pig! You're a French pig! And not to mention that before you got into bed, you slung all your shit on my desk, didn't you? <laughs> you dirty little bitch! Now take your vape and your crystals and fuck off! <laughs> He's actually pretty good. All right. Second after Reagan. That's good. <laughs> Not bad. Shout out to uh, Christopher Macy for sending that. Uh, legend. Fuck. Amazing. Amazing. Well done. Uh, all right. Hey, thanks for carrying the load that uh, user on TikTok. Yeah, Appreciate thanks so it. much. I will be. Wa- I've, I will watch all that video a lot. <laughs> it's the best I've ever seen. It's amazing. You, you pick. All right, darling. It's just so good. Nailed it. <laughs>